Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Ego Chop Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode we have some pretty big news regarding the CDL and its streaming rights. Uh, we have a little bit of possible challengers news or maybe what could it mean for challengers uh, as well as all of the matches that happened in the past week uh, including Optic and LA Thieves going at it, uh, two undefeated teams in the final match of the weekend. And we have the final qualifying matches for Major 4 to look forward to, and we'll give our predictions later on in the show. But before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. Could be doing better. You know, Yankees dropped a tough one to your Guardians just like 20 minutes ago, but we move on. Got some COD to talk about, so excited about that. Go Guards. Uh, go Ian's if if you're really upset about the name change, but you're still a loser if you're upset about it. Um, but yeah, let's let's get right into it. We have uh, a few rematch notes that we should talk about, including the fact that the uh, this past weekend the Call of Duty League for the first time ever was live streamed simultaneously on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, after the league announced earlier in the week that uh, the CDL would return to YouTube for the first time this season. Um, of course, like a lot of the longtime fans know this, but uh, for anybody that just kind of tuned in this season, the CDL had uh, been exclusive to YouTube for the first three seasons of the CDL's existence. Uh, and this season was the first uh, where it was on Twitch. Uh, and there was even a report earlier this season uh, i think it was in february that uh dixerto put out that said that the cdo had signed a new three-year deal with youtube and that after the boston major which you attended and uh, i think everybody said was an incredible event um after that event that the cdo would go back to youtube and leave twitch and all of the co-streams and all of the viewership has kind of uh, arisen from that because of scump and since then, methods and Zuma and all of that, um, but that was not to be. I guess it, it never happened. Uh, they never went back to YouTube until this week, uh, when they announced that uh, Twitch and YouTube um, would be the homes of the CDO. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, it's a, a few days old now, but um, when it dropped, obviously we were working at the time. But uh, what do you think of uh, the announcement? Yeah, my initial reaction is it's really a best case scenario for most viewers. Um, I know one of the when when the initial report dropped that it could potentially go exclusive to YouTube, uh, and you wrote your opinion piece on it. One of the points you raised is the the money and the revenue that an exclusivity deal can bring in for the CDL. Um, so obviously that's a downside to this from you know a CDL standpoint. But from a, stan a fan standpoint, being able to watch on YouTube, on Twitch is just fantastic. I, I really um, I, I really like the clipping feature on Twitch way much better than uh, clips on YouTube. But after watching the CDL so long on YouTube, I really got used to the, the rewind feature. And that was just awesome. Like, you know, right as soon as a map ends you could just rewind a couple seconds and immediately just find the exact score if you if you didn't know if it was like 250 to 190 or 250 to 180 uh something like that so i i really like the rewind feature on youtube so um 
I know there's drops on Twitch now, so I, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons for people to watch on either site, in my opinion, um, especially if they bring drops to YouTube, which I don't know why they wouldn't, but, you know, regardless, um, I think it is interesting, too, with uh, co-stream potential. Obviously, we've seen the success of Scump's co-stream in particular, as well as, like, the Flank, Zuma uh, methods, etc., being able to do that on YouTube again with guys like Courage, Tim the Tatman, uh, Noah J456, just to name a few, um, that should only further increase um, the viewership numbers for uh, the CDL. So really, I, I think outside of the, the non-money gaming perspective from the league, I think this is a, a really solid move, that, especially from a fan perspective. Yeah, as a you know, as a fan and as a like a media member that covers the league, obviously you want the league to do well. You want them to be financially set. Uh, but I think even that's still a secondary priority for me. I want the league to be as uh, accessible and as entertaining as possible and uh, kind of as convenient as possible for people to watch. Um, and that's obviously the the solution we have now where it's on YouTube, it's on Twitch. You can go and watch it, uh, kind of wherever you, you want to, because these are the two biggest streaming platforms. There's no kind of a barrier there anymore. Um, I think that's incredible. Uh, like you mentioned with the co-streaming stuff, if that was like my main concern with the CDL leaving Twitch. I think if the co-streaming thing hadn't blown up this season, I wouldn't have had that big of an issue for it. Um, the only issue I would have had is just the fact that you're like kind of bouncing back and forth and that can confuse even like pretty hardcore fans about like where they're supposed to be watching. But the co-streaming thing, like it popping off this season really opened my eyes to like, okay, like they can't leave Twitch now because Scump is here. Scump is... Um, I mean, he has been the biggest like COD esports and really like one of the biggest Call of Duty personalities for years. But if you leave now, then you're leaving, you know, thousands of viewers like, you know, that add on to your total. Uh, and of course, I, I'm sure the CDO was pretty was weighing that pretty heavily just because the the media rights thing is a is a thing like. There's a reason that the CDL and the Overwatch League were exclusive to YouTube for um, for years. I, I don't even know if the Overwatch League is exclusive to YouTube. I believe it was exclusive to Twitch originally. Uh, I think I remember that. And then I think it went to YouTube. I could be wrong on that. But regardless, like the media rights deal um, for, for any league, and I, I look at traditional sports, like that is a main revenue boost for the NFL, the NBA, like they make billions of dollars off of those deals because it's very lucrative for say ESPN to get the, the rights to major league baseball. For example, um, I know like Apple, Apple TV plus, uh, has bought the rights to MLS. I think even some major league baseball games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's a, it's a really lucrative thing for everyone involved, um, and you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, choose the CDL to kind of skip over that normally, but I also think it would have been really bad for the league and like the community in general to just kind of alienate thousands of fans that are not going to follow the product over 
over to YouTube if it were to become exclusive again. Um, I guess that kind of leads into this next point or this next uh, bit of news. Uh, so on the same day that the CDO announced that Twitch and YouTube would uh, be streaming the CDO, um, a Twitter account popped up, uh, COD underscore esports, um, verified uh, the, the bio uh, says the official home of Call of Duty esports on Twitter covering World Series of Warzone and Challengers coming soon. What is your reaction to that? Because we've seen the the news about World Series World Series of Warzone, um, and you know what's happening with that. They announced like a big, big tournament essentially. Uh, but as far as challengers goes, what do you think this means for the challenger scene? Since we haven't had um, a dedicated COD challengers Twitter account so far, I honestly don't think it means too much to be honest i mean it obviously has the potential to to grow into a, a you know a big hub if if there is enough interest in challengers um but i don't really understand the move to be honest just um you know it, it could be the codly trying to grow an organic account um for those who haven't been around a long time, the COD League Twitter does have a lot of followers. Um, yeah, it's got over a million. But the, you know, if you look at the interaction on that Twitter, it's it's not really what you would expect for an account with a million plus followers. And one of the reasons behind that is, at least in my opinion, is the account was rebranded, and I believe it was originally um, the Call of Duty Elite Twitter account in MW3 when cod elite was like a it was like a pub clan um system sort of thing if you get a clan Um, tag you can make it gold by linking it to your cod elite i remember doing that yeah and i'm i'm pretty sure that's originally what the current cod elite twitter was used for um so maybe this is an attempt you know if if that is accurate uh, maybe this is an attempt at the uh the CDL trying to just grow an organic account that actually, you know, has people dedicated. Obviously, there's followers who follow the COD League who care about COD esports, but I'm sure there's there's probably some, you know, dead followers. Not great terminology there, but <laughs> some inactive accounts um, or accounts that, you know, are from the past and don't necessarily care about COD esports. So maybe that's what this thinking is. Um could just be completely off on that but yeah i mean other other than that i mean it's it's just a twitter account so um i guess i'll be interested to see what they do but i you know i don't think it's a huge deal at the end of the day yeah i think i think that's a good point that you make about um you know like they're kind of just trying to see what's going to happen with this because the cod league you know count has been around for years um, used to be the the CWL account, and then I think they rebranded to the Cod That's League. That's true too. Yeah, so like they've been like, I mean, it's been through a, a few rebrands, and um, I also think just like in general, the that account does not really touch on challengers like at all. Like if you would have like very little idea of what challengers even is if you were to follow the Cod League account because only time that i really see them tweeted out is maybe like midweek you might get like an elite uh like um you know like an elite challengers retweet or if 
you know, sometimes you'll get like the challengers finals are on before the COD league is or something like that. Like it's, it's just not very common that you see a lot of promotion for challengers. So if there is quite a bit of promotion and maybe more of like an official uh, kind of place to go for challengers news, um, at least even for the players. Like right now, I think they rely more heavily on like the specific people that are involved in challengers of like who make those decisions and they're kind of waiting on them uh, rather than the fans uh, kind of as a whole knowing what's going on. Um, but uh, I mean, maybe it'll be a good thing, especially if you know Treyarch is the the next developer. Treyarch has been historically pretty good as far as like treating the competitive scene, at least relative to kind of Infinity Ward. Um, Sledgehammer's actually been pretty good as well, but uh, Infinity Ward's been pretty crap for ever now um, as far as like developer support when it comes to competitive. So maybe that is uh, it has to do with Treyarch coming uh, in the next cycle. Um, and they're kind of pushing forward. Um, I also, I looked at the World Series of Warzone, um, like their, like kind of format, like how they have stages and everything. And it kind of like got me excited for like what could be for the Challenger scene. Because I remember, you know, obviously back in the day, um, League Play was a huge thing in Black Ops 2. And that was actually a way to qualify for for cod champs the first cod champs in 2013 which i guess we should mention just celebrated its 10th anniversary or whatever it was 10 years old which means i've been in esports for 10 years now officially um but uh going back to my original point i i, I think the world series uh, world series of warzone i don't know why that's so hard for me to say um that format just was like very reminiscent of like what it used to be like um, and even like the in-game integration with some of like the in-game events, uh, and obviously just the fact that Warzone has been heavily supported by Activision since its launch, I would love for, you know, COD Esports, um, to kind of get that kind of support, uh, even if Warzone and like competitive Warzone comes into this scene and kind of scoops up a little bit of the competitive stuff, I think you know, I think you would probably agree with me, right? That there have been a lot of like former competitive players or like, you know, uh, personalities in the scene that have kind of branched off into Warzone and big uh, and been big uh, streamers or kind of like people in the community. I think TP, uh, Replays, Merc, Maven, those guys, like they don't play a lot of competitive on a regular basis. They, they're more Warzone. Um, Kind of getting back to my original point, so I'm not rambling too much. Uh, do you think, like, what do you think, like, the challenger's ceiling is? Like, what would be, like, the best way for you, in your opinion? What do you think the Activision and the developers could do to make challengers kind of a more attractive place for, for COD esports? That's a pretty big question. Um... I honestly don't know if there's really a good answer. I, I do think, you know, if at the end of the day this, this Twitter account is about driving more eyes to challengers, then that's, you know, clearly a goal of the league if that is the case. And it, I think it should be a goal of the league. Um, it's just really tough, in my opinion, with the current state of thing. I mean, I can't even really think of any organizations outside of like this the few cdl teams that are have academy teams like i don't really know of 
any organizations that are really involved in Challengers Cod at this moment. I know like Team War uh, was involved, and I don't think they are anymore. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely a far cry from the days of, you know, the MLG events where we had, you know, organizations coming out of the woodworks just to sponsor a team and they would have a shot at uh, making it into uh, the pool play of whatever MLG open it was. So, um, yeah, I mean, just challengers in general, I think, is in a tough spot. I don't really know how it improves outside of, you know, just more funding. Um, and I, that's a two-way street, in my opinion. You know, there's if, if Activision and the CDL make a bigger investment in challengers with, you know, upping the prize pool or and stuff like that, more events, then maybe organizations would be willing to up their interest in uh, investing in it. I don't, I don't really know. Um, it's just, you know, in a tough spot, and I, I wish I had all the answers, but I don't. Um, that you mentioned MLG, so that got that made me think about on the same day that they announced the World Series of Warzone, uh, this COD esports account popped up that CDL was coming back to YouTube and Twitch. Um, MLG, which hadn't tweeted in several months, the actual uh, MLG Twitter account, they tweeted like a wave emoji uh, and they quote tweeted the COD esports account, which uh, I I don't know why I didn't think of this, but um, do you think MLG could be coming back to COD Esports in, in some way? Like, obviously, Activision owns it. They have for years, but it's kind of been a dead brand for several years, yeah. essentially, since, like, the, the COD World League started. It's been pretty much dead. I mean, I, I hope that's the case. I think that'd be really cool. Um, would kind of raise questions, in my opinion, of why it took so long for it to come back, or you know what what the purpose was of not taking advantage of the branding, because it literally is. I like you. You think of competitive gaming, you most people think of MLG. Like they don't even say major league gaming. It's at that point of like NFL and MLB, NBA, in my opinion, where it's like an acronym that has meaning beyond what the actual words are. And you know, you you hear those three letters, you know what it is right away, and it has that significant meaning. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be all on board. Maybe if like challengers events are branded as MLG events going forward, that'd be super cool. I don't know how much of a impact that would have unless again, like I said, like funding is increased or more money is put into these events. Um but just from the standpoint of having that that name MLG involved again would be really cool, especially for, you know, long time uh fans and followers like us who, you know, have been here since those MLG days. Um I'm just kind of putting it all together. I put my not a tinfoil hat, but it's kind of like, it's a, it's a little bit, but uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I'm sure some of our fans did. Um, Adam Apicella, who was the head of um, Esports Engine, I think he co-founded it, uh, which is, runs a lot of the COD League events. I think all of like the LAN events and everything and uh, the production side of it. He founded that company. He was also uh, one of the very first employees of MLG back in the early 2000s along with Puckett who this season came back to the COD League uh, desk he's the the host and everything um but uh Adam just recently left Esports Engine and now we have the MLG account kind of 
coming back from the dead. I think Adam has spoken at length about how much he loves and appreciates MLG and like what you know they were able to accomplish. Obviously, like you said, like the brand recognition of MLG, not only in Call of Duty, but obviously in Halo with like the, you know, like the Ogre 2 days, like the, you know, now it's like 15 years ago, but um, MLG was a really big brand. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of speaking out loud, but if Adam were to come back to Activision MLG and kind of help revive that brand, I think that would be a huge thing. Um, especially since he loves the the MLG like brand as much as probably anybody in the entire world. Just kind of speaking out loud. I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. Nah, I mean, we might be onto something. We'll have to see. I should be a detective if if this all works <laughs> out for me. Um, let's get into these qualifying matches. Uh, we had 10 matches this past week in the CDL. Uh, some pretty big results here. Uh, but we'll start on Friday, April 7th. Um, kind of a straightforward day, at least, uh, in the beginning. Um, Boston versus London, we both picked Boston. And Florida versus Seattle, we both picked Seattle. Um, these two matches, obviously, London and Florida have been two of the worst teams in the league this season. Uh, and, you know, Boston, uh, even with this roster change, um, they've still been one of the better teams and one of the more consistent teams uh, throughout the year. And Seattle, I would never say they're consistent, but they're definitely a good team. Um, at least when they are on and uh, playing at their full potential. Any surprises, any things to note? Uh, Boston versus London and Florida versus Seattle. Was this Kremp's debut? Yeah, I think it was. I don't think we think put it in was. the notes. Yeah. But... yeah, I was just trying to backtrack and look. Um, so even 79.82.96 KD, nothing you know too flashy, but... When you got big wig dropping a 1.41, it's it's obviously going to be a little tough to, um, you know, put up similar numbers when somebody's doing the, all the the heavy lifting in the slaying department there. So, um, good series out of wake. Um, I feel like we've talked about this at length now with these recent changes. Is a lot of these changes. Um, outside of, you know, just off the top of my head, when Florida made its, like, wholesale changes last stage and they had to play, like, New York and Atlanta right off the rip, I feel like a lot of these more recent changes, uh, players have gotten um, some advantageous matchups to to be making their debuts. You know, you got Crump here getting to make his debut against a struggling London team. I know Minnesota uh, had that home series. They play LAG in Florida there, so... Um, just a couple examples and something to think about there. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, tough to judge uh, Boston just based off that one match against a bottom-of-the-barrel team, just to be honest. So um, <laughs> we'll, ha we'll have to see more from this new Boston squad before we can properly evaluate them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right, to uh, – I mean, it might just be a coincidence uh, yeah, in I most of these is. cases. Uh, but we see it in traditional sports where – you have like a rookie quarterback and they don't play for the first six, seven games of the season. And then they get their first start and they're playing like the jets or they're playing the bears, like playing a bad team. Um, or if, or if you're the Steelers, you start Kenny Pickett in Buffalo against the Buffalo bills for his first game. Well, I'll give Tomlin a pass. He does not have a lot of experience having to start a rookie quarterback. Um, but you know, like, I think it it makes sense just to give them a, a little extra confidence 
um, and not throw them into the deep end uh, immediately. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, Kremp, he performed well. Um, but like you said, when big wigs doing big wig things, you don't really need to do that much. Um, and we did have kind of a redebut, a return uh, for Vickle in the Florida versus Seattle match. Uh, he replaced Havoc before uh, the week's matches. Um, Havoc was benched due to personal reasons. So obviously, uh, much love to to Colt and like everything. Hope everything's uh, doing great. Obviously, we've spoke like he gets a lot of airtime on this show because we both like Havoc. Um, big big personality, definitely. Uh, you always mentioned the the Bo three days, and uh, I remember those vividly as well. Um, so yeah, uh, hope the best for Havoc and uh, Vickle came in. Uh, he's been in challengers uh, since he got benched earlier in the season. Uh, they they lost to Seattle. Uh, not big surprise there, just because yeah. Seattle is is a is a good team. Like it's it's going to be hard to beat them on a consistent basis unless they're in the middle of a losing streak, and then you might be able to take a match off them. Um, any thoughts on that match? Nah, I mean, like like you said, you know, all of the havoc. Hope everything going well for him he, he's able to get back as, as soon as he's able to um but again just to be honest even if he plays in this match i, I still think seattle wins and i think when we made our predictions we were still thinking of havoc being playing so i don't think vickle makes a huge difference there um i think it is kind of interesting but not necessarily super interesting that you know florida did win the search 6-1 in this series florida has been you know, of their modes, they they've been better in search, but again, that's been with Havoc, who is a known S and D star. Um, so it's a little interesting, in my opinion, that they were still able to see a lot of success in search even without him. But it, you know, they got Fellow too, who's, uh, you know, Fizzer's prodigy. So, um, yeah, and you know, again, Seattle's had that up and down. Well, they've had an up and down season overall, but they had notably that huge S and D streak where they struggled, even though they played a little better in the mode recently. Um, so I don't think that's you know necessarily super surprising, but I think it is worth mentioning that it is a little impressive, in my opinion, that Florida was able to uh, take the search in convincing fashion. And even I mean, the hard points: two fifty, two hundred four, two fifty to two thirty three or two thirty four. Um, both the hard points were close, even though Seattle pulls them out in the end. So, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe this uh, new iteration of Florida is able to turn things around. But uh, Seattle, at the end of the day, was able to get this win. Last match of the day was New York versus Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, you know, started off uh, with a two-zero week last week. Uh, had their home series in Wisconsin. Um, then they got back to the online matches. Uh, against the subliners a pretty tough team to to play in general uh the subliners win 3-1 um i mean i i didn't really have a lot to say about this other than like obviously new york loses map one uh not ideal uh but priesta also dropped a 0.44 in that match so it's kind of like that you know if someone dropped a 0.44 in your in your league play or your ranked play lobby then you're probably going to lose that um any thoughts on this this match uh nysl winning 3-1 no i mean i i just think the the biggest point again is we still haven't seen a ton of this minnesota team and you know even me in particular i still haven't uh watched the actual games from their home series so i've only really seen you know 
very limited maps from this new Minnesota squad. Uh, but that was the, although, you know, all credit to them for getting the 2-0 start to this stage. Like, you know, you, you play the teams in front of you and they took care of business on that end. But, uh, you know, you got to go up against a squad that won the first major of the year here. Um, so that's a, a much more of a test, in my opinion, than their earlier matches. Uh, they weren't able to beat this squad and then they have two tough matches coming up in this following week. So I think that's the true test. Um, if Minnesota is able to steal one of these upcoming matches, get a winner's bracket spot like locked up at the major, then that would be a huge, um, a huge improvement. Obviously, compared to last stage where they just didn't win. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know this Minnesota squad just isn't you know it's a tough schedule coming up. So if they aren't able to win, they go two three. Maybe if tiebreakers go their way, they still sneak into winner's bracket. But it could be another situation where Minnesota's uh, on the back foot immediately heading into major four. First match of uh, day two of uh, Saturday, uh, Vegas Legion versus the London Royal Ravens. We both picked Vegas. Um, I mean, they had looked pretty good. They beat Boston in their first match, their only match of uh, last week. Uh, London, you know, you you called it uh, earlier. You said they're kind of like a bottom of the barrel team. Like they're they entered the the match in last place in the CDL. Um, like obviously, you know, having a really tough season, and Vegas has been pretty good as of late. And I honestly like this is one of the more surprising upsets I've seen in a while. And and you know, like you look at the standings, that doesn't really make sense because Vegas, I believe, was ninth heading into the weekend. London's twelfth, so like a you know bottom four team beating another bottom four team doesn't really probably wouldn't move the needle for most people, but. The, the reputation of Vegas and London is wildly different at the moment. So Vegas losing this seems like a really big deal, or it did at the time. Um, th did you feel the same way that, like, holy crap, like, how did Vegas lose that? Yeah, I mean, at the position Vegas is in right now, every match is a must-win for them in order to get as many points as they can to try to get into champs. That's their end goal uh, for the season right now. And losing a match like this in particular, it, it's the opposite of what we were just saying. Like, like I was talking about Minnesota, right? Like they, they played the team in front of them. They were able to take care of business against them despite the roster change, despite who they were playing. They just, just you know, they played a team they're supposed to beat and they beat them. Um, that should have been the case here for Vegas and they came up short. So I think that, that's a really heartbreaking loss. Uh, for Vegas, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like a free 10 points because, you know, all, all the CDL teams are very competitive. All the players are super good. So um, it's just, you know, it, it's as close to like a a, a must-win match in, in the sake of Vegas's end goal of getting to champs. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about their next match later. But um, just in comparison to that, it's it's just puts them in a much different position as opposed to where they could have been if they were able to take care of business against London. I know even last week when we were doing our predictions, I'm pretty sure we both picked uh, Vegas to go 2-0, and I said that definitely means they're not going 2-0. So maybe it's a little bit uh, on our end, but I, I still would have picked Vegas 10 times out of 10 to beat London here. Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, there was no indication that, and especially since the way they lost, like they lost that search and destroy, the uh, LSEO 6-4 to London, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but Search and Destroy has been the best game mode by far for Paris. They've struggled more so in the hard uh, in the respawns, 
and they crushed London in the first hard point, 250 to 117. And then to drop the search, they get 3 0 in control, and then they lose a close embassy hard point. Like that, it can't happen. You know, like it's the same thing with FaZe to a certain extent, where FaZe has to win their searches because their uh, respawn has kind of been hit or miss. So, like, when they win a respawn, they have to win that series because, like, you're the best search and destroy team. And with Paris, or not Paris, Vegas, you know, reverting back to old ways, but um, Vegas, like, if you win that hard point, especially the way you win that hard point, you you got to follow it up with the search win at least, uh, and then hope you can, at, you know, at worst go to game five and play another search. Um, just not to even get to game five is pretty disappointing for for Vegas. Um, but you know we'll we'll talk about their second match uh, in a little bit. Um, Battle of Los Angeles, LAT versus LAG. Um, found it really interesting. I think you had mentioned it on the pod last week. Uh, you weren't entirely sure, but you were like, I'm pretty sure LAG has been really good against LAT uh, since the thieves have come into the to the COD league. And you're right. Uh, I even texted you it. Um, LAG they were five and zero heading into this match against the thieves. The, this is the team like LAG were absolute dog crap last year, aside from one major run. And the thieves won the world championship last year. The thieves were also very good. I believe the previous year, LAG, I don't even think made champs the previous year. Like LAG has been a, a pretty bad team overall in the same time span. Uh, and they were somehow five and zero against the thieves heading in, but now they are not, they are five and one. Um, the thieves end up winning this, uh, this match three, one, which you mentioned before the show, there were a ton of three ones in this weekend of matches. Um, what are your thoughts on this match? Obviously the thieves breaking the streak is, is kind of the biggest thing here, right? Yeah, I mean, when when I made that statement last week, if you had told me it was like four and two, or you know, maybe even like four and three, something like that, um, I would have believed you. But to to find out after the fact that it was five zero LAG, that was really surprising to me. Uh, but like you said, nonetheless, that's not the case anymore. Five and one, still pretty good record, but um, for the position LAG is in, you know, on on that the outside looking in of champs qualification, obviously they need all the points they can get to. Um, and they just weren't able to capitalize here, or, you know, come away with a, a sixth coveted win against their LA, LA brothers. So a uh, really dominant performance from the thieves in general, the gorillas take the search. Um, but outside of the six, four in the search, it was two fifty to one in or two fifty to 89 in embassy. So hundred point club in the first hard point, and then two fifty to one Oh two in the second hard point. So almost a hundred point club and then a three Oh in control. So basically as dominant as you can be minus like two points, uh, in the three respawn. So strong performance out of the thieves. And again, this is, you know, Previous history aside, based on the performance of both teams, where they're at at this point in the season, it's a match the Thieves had to come out, win, put themselves in a good position heading into the major, and that's what they were able to do. Uh, Optic versus New York, first of two Optic matches this weekend. Uh, both these teams were undefeated heading in. Optic had their only match of last week, a 3 over London uh, and New York. Uh, we talked about their win over Minnesota um, from Friday. They also uh, beat FaZe last week in their only match um, to uh, in a game five. So that was a, a really big win for them. 
I, I think a lot of people were excited for this match just because New York has been pretty good all season long. And Optic, um, we didn't really get to see a lot of them last week because they had a pretty quick 3-0 over, against, uh, over London, who we talked about, like, I don't think anybody was expecting a whole big series out of them uh, last week. And Optic, of course, finished second at the, the third major. Um, but this was a, a really impressive performance by Optic. They 100-point clubbed them. Uh, on uh, Mercado map one, drop the SND as Optic does, and then when the remaining two respawns, um, I mean, what uh, I, I we could we could talk about it now, we could also talk about it later, but like, um, how impressive of a win was this for you? Kind of like looking at Optic as you know, like a real contender because we, I assume, uh, both view New York in the same way. Yeah, it was definitely a very eye-opening win for me uh, in terms of what Optic's potential is. Uh, I thought it was funny, I'm pretty sure. Um, I saw clips of on, I, I don't know who said which one, but uh, I'm pretty sure in the map one, 100-point club, like Methods on the co-stream said that like you're going to see this on the hub later. And then um, Miles on the broadcast made like a Brazzers reference or it was flip-flopped which which ones they said but uh, it was pretty funny that they both you know obviously they aren't you know Miles at least isn't able to hear Methods and I'm pretty sure Methods said it before Miles did it on broadcast too but it was pretty funny um, Miles definitely has a way with words that is unlike any other caster we have in, in Call of Duty so um I, I think as funny as that is, it really was just a super dominant performance. And when you think about New York um, at their peak, obviously based on recent performances at like the majors and stuff, they haven't been at that same level as they were at major one. But when I at least think of New York's success, I, I think of them being a really strong hard point team and for optic to just hundred point club them like that, um, that, that really stands out to me. And, you know, New York was able to take the search, but um Optic winning three respawns, as we've mentioned many, many times on the podcast, as being the traditional Optic formula for success. Um, this combined with Optic's second match that we'll get to soon, um, re really, I, I think they did a really good job, and it, it definitely, in my eyes, at least sets them up to be one of the top, top, top contenders for Major 4. Uh, another uh, two of the top contenders, you would assume, Atlanta Phase and Toronto Ultra. Uh, they finished the Saturday slate of matches um, with this. Uh, Atlanta and Toronto have been, um, I mean, obviously two of the three major champions so far. Phase Major 1, Toronto uh, very recently Major 3. Ma er, oh, yeah, New York was Major 1. Phase Major 2, Toronto Major 3. Um, so both of these uh, teams have had uh, pretty extensive success so far this year. Um, we disagreed on who we thought would win. Uh, I said Toronto. Uh, I thought maybe because they had had a pretty tough week, week one, uh, maybe they would uh, kind of bounce back here against FaZe. Not meant to be a 3-1 win for Atlanta uh, despite dropping the opening hard point. Um, phase does their their phase stuff and search and destroy pull out around 11 and able to clutch up uh, on control in the second hard point uh what do you think of this because I, I think we both agree that these two teams are really talented and are 
always contenders to you know win majors or be at the top of the standings. So, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, as as much as this might sound like a really like you know a doy statement, um, the the uh, search and destroy here really was just absolutely crucial for either team. Uh, coming off the map one win for Toronto, you know, if Toronto was able to take that map two, like they just have complete momentum in the series, and we know um, Atlanta has played well in search, but if they lose that map two, then they have to win two respawns just to have another shot at search, which would be a mode that they just lost. Um, but regardless, Toronto had just, you know, outside heading into this match, I believe they were on a four S and D losing streak. I'm gonna look to make sure yeah they lost two to boston and then two to seattle so they were on a four s and d losing streak heading into this matchup um i guess potentially could have been longer depending on the major but regardless at, at minimum is a four s and d losing streak um and it was extended to five here for atlanta um but like I said, that that just was, you know, a crucial win for Atlanta, and they're obviously able to go on to win the next two respawns, which um, for Atlanta, we know just how talented that squad is and what they're capable of. But like you mentioned earlier, it's just the respawn hasn't been going their way, uh, especially in some of these online qualifiers. So they, they were able to clutch up after clutching up in the round 11 uh, to get those next two wins, and it doesn't even have to go to another search, which, you know, is just a, a good sign for... Uh, Atlanta, they're able to respond, especially, you know, against the team that broke their S&D win streak, even if Toronto uh, had been struggling heading into this match in the mode a little bit for whatever reasons. I mean, I mean you could say they were struggling too. I remember bringing this up uh, last week, but um, their losses in search were double six four to Boston. And then, um, where's the other one? I just saw it, but I lost it. Oh, 6-4 and 6-3 to Seattle. So three 6-4s, a 6-3, and a 6-5 during that 5 S&D streak. They're not getting 6-0 in the mode, so it's, it's really hard to find a, an appropriate word to put on it. Struggle might not be the right word, but if you're losing five S&D maps in a row, there, there's something going on, and obviously we'll get to that being corrected in a few seconds, but uh, nonetheless, it, at least heading into this match, it was just that, that game too was super crucial, um, and Atlanta was able to take it and then go on to win the series and and put Atlanta or sorry put Toronto in a, a really tough spot to uh, make the winners bracket here heading into Major Four. Yeah, I, the only thing I have to say about that about the Toronto five game or five S and D losing streak is that you mentioned two of them were to Seattle, which is. A like those are pretty bad losses considering Seattle has had so many issues in that game mode. Like I, I think I looked it up uh, either during the show or before the show, but Seattle has only won like 12 search maps this season and they've lost more than double that. So like to lose two maps to Seattle is, is not great. Uh, at least in search, you know, losing in respawn is probably not the, the worst thing in the world. Um, but the next match, uh, so, you know, like I, I think the same thing with FaZe I, I mentioned earlier, but uh, FaZe, if they lose that search, it's going to be really, really difficult to win a series for them. Um, like they, they're really playing through search. Same with the Vegas Legion. Uh, they, they started off Sunday with Vegas versus LAG. Uh, Vegas, of course, uh, 
loss to London earlier in the week, a really big upset. Uh, LAG, I mean, if you lose to London, like it's in the realm of possibility that you lose to LAG as well. Um, both teams are in the bottom four along with Vegas and Florida. Uh, but Vegas was still able to clutch up, uh, and it was really through search that they were able to win this series. Uh, they went 6-0 on Mercado uh, first search, and then they closed it out 6-1 on LSEO, uh, and then they also win the second hard point of the series, 250 to 223. Um, did this give you a little more hope in Vegas? Uh, obviously, a loss would have been devastating for their champs' chances, uh, but what were your feelings after this compared to what you were feeling after their London loss? Well, during the match, I, I was, you know, pretty conflicted. I know Vegas has struggled in control um, a lot this year, but obviously after they lose map one, they respond with the, that strong 6-0, like you said. Then they go down in the control. I'm thinking in the back of my head like that, that, you know, that this was just terrible. We're, we're thinking Vegas has got a 2-0 week and they have the potential to go 0-2. Um, I think they got out to a really big lead on uh, the Hydro hardpoint in map four. And then LAG kind of made it more competitive towards the end, but they were still able to close it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it was definitely a closer series than maybe some people expecting Vegas to win might have anticipated. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, that that, that twelve-one round count in search and destroy will stick out no matter uh, what two teams are playing. I I just always remember there is that one Atlanta optic match in Cold War, um, where Atlanta won three-two and it was twelve-one in the round count in S and D. Um, so any any time that happens in any series, I, I I feel like it's just you know such an eye opener that it's just two dominant search performances. Maybe it's just because I love search so much and I'm weird like that, but. Um, regardless, yeah, I mean, this was definitely, especially after the London loss, this was a must win, uh, for Vegas and, you know, it was probably tougher than they might've anticipated, but they were able to get it done. And I think, um, let me look up Clay's tweet because he mentioned something that was kind of funny, um, because he mentioned like the Marky B series, obviously, and I don't think this was their first win since that, but, um, oh, I, I was actually looking uh, at it. Vegas, I, I, you can pull up the tweet, but Vegas has not won a control since February, uh, what is it, February 17th. So it's been wow. nearly two months. They have lost, I believe it's 10 in a row. Uh, their last win in control was against the Thieves. They've since lost to Toronto, Atlanta, Minnesota, LAG, twice or three times in control lat boston twice and london it's like they've lost to pretty much the entire league in control and one of those losses was with marky b yeah it's it's been bad they are five and 22 this season in control yeah yeah so. um so that's what the clay match or the clay tweet was huge match for us first win other than the marky b one that we've gotten against a team lower than us. Some Cheddar and 10, huge, huge 10 points, GG's to LAG. So that was just the eye-opening thing to me. It was the first win against a team lower than them in a while, which considering where Vegas is in the standings, if, if we had the, I mean, it would take us a while to go back and look at all their matches and see what their record is against those bottom four teams below them. But um if they're in that position where they're like on the brink of getting to champs with a you know 
theoretically terrible record against the teams statistically worse than them, you could only imagine where they'd be in the standings if they were beating those teams below them. So um, that gives me a little more hope for the the Vegas' winning champs bandwagon. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I definitely would be feeling a lot better about Vegas if we were talking about them being 2-0 as opposed to, you know, a 1-1 week here. Yeah, I think they were 0-5 against LAG, Florida, and London, uh, except that uh, the the Marky B series. Um, so That's until this one, so they've they beaten uh, LAG twice, uh, and they've lost to Florida, London, uh, all of the times, pretty much. So it's it's not been great. Um, but like you said, like they've been able to play. They've beaten Boston, LAT, like they've beaten really good teams, um, this season, but that control thing is really eye-opening like they've like i i just it's unfathomable to me that they're five and 22 in a game mode and they're not like last year's legion where it's like they have no shot at making champs or anything like that and it's kind of a testament to how good they've been in search and even like how much better they've been in hard point um they actually have a 24 and 12 record in search this year uh, and then they have a 22 and 29 record in hard point. Not great, but definitely like not the worst it could be. It's just that control stuff is pretty bad because it it's pretty much an automatic L once they get to map three. So it's always probably a, an uphill battle at that point. Uh, next match, Toronto versus Florida. No surprises there. Uh, the ultra win uh, this match. Uh, go two and oh, or go one and one on the week, excuse me, um, after losing to uh, Atlanta earlier in the week. But a really a much needed win for Toronto oh, here yeah. because they would have dropped to 0 and 4, which would have essentially guaranteed them a spot in the losers bracket to start major four. Uh, but with that win, they are now in a tie for ninth. So if the season had ended or the the stage had ended uh, with this week, they would start in the losers bracket along with London, LAG, and Florida. Uh, but they they still have another match. Uh, who knows what Seattle, New York, Vegas, Boston, Phase, Rocker, all those teams have only played three matches so far, and they sit at two and one. So there's a there's a chance that some of those teams will drop to two and three, and then who knows what the tiebreakers will be. Uh, but you know, if Toronto doesn't win uh, this next uh, their final match of the stage, they'll start in the losers bracket. Um, what do you think of that? Just their, I mean, obviously they've had a pretty tough schedule. Um, it hasn't been you know overly easy, but it hasn't been the hardest schedule either. Like that phase, yeah. the phase match is definitely the hardest. But they lost to Boston and they lost to Seattle. So what do you think of Toronto's kind of struggles and them kind of in a precarious situation now? Yeah, I I just, I I don't, it's a baffling time for it to happen, really, especially off such a high of them winning major three. Um, And it's really not, uh, you know, like Toronto is one of the teams, you know, online COD, you know, taking it for what it is. Like, uh, there's been a lot of talk in the community about like the bell fiber and, and that sort of thing for uh, Toronto. So it's not like, you know, like it's been those West Coast versus East Coast battles that we talked about or something like that, where maybe like they don't have a good facility or anything like that. So I don't really know what exactly is going on outside of that. That search is what really stood out to me. Um, and I think it is 
worth mentioning here that in this match with Florida, Toronto ends their five-game losing streak against a team like Florida, who we were just talking about um, in their other match of the week against Seattle. The only map they won was a search, and they won at 6-1. So um, they definitely were in a position here where they could have lost that search to Florida, and we would still be talking about them being on this a six-game losing streak in search. But... Um, something obviously clicked and they just absolutely, you know, took control of this series and, and did what they should do. Um, seems like a repetitive theme of the show of either teams actually doing what they beating the teams they should, or, you know, me saying that teams should beat these teams and they aren't, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I think Toronto's definitely, this is not where they expected to be. I, I think it's very safe to say, uh, this is not where they expected to be heading into, um, the final week of the qualifiers record-wise and potentially, you know, heading into the major from the loser's bracket. That's just a tough um, way to try to defend your title, but they're going to have to... Now, now the these other matches are in the past. All they can do is try to win their next match and then just hope the tiebreakers go their way, and it's, it's really out of their hands outside of that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Toronto. I don't know why they're having so many issues. Um, since Hixie joined the roster... Uh, or since Hixie joined the roster up until this set of qualifiers, so like through the major three qualifiers and through major three, they were seven and four in search and destroy, uh, which was, you know, uh, in line with their hard point, they're a really good control team. But in the major four qualifiers, they're one and five in search. Um, they've lost uh, one map on LSEO, two maps on Hotel, one map on Fortress, and they're one and one on Embassy. So it's kind of been like, it hasn't just been one map that they're struggling in. They've lost on four different maps, um, and th they've been overall pretty steady uh, in the other game modes. Like Hardpoint, they're uh, a little bit over 500, which was in line with what they did since Hixie came into the lineup, and they're a very good control team. They win the majority of those control maps. Um, which is in, in in line with what's been happening since Hixie came in. So I'm not sure what exactly has changed from Major 3 qualifiers, which they did well in, to Major 3 to now, where they are, you know, 1 in 5. Like, that's whatever, like 17% win percentage on search, small sample size. But, I mean, they lost to Seattle, like I said earlier. Like, Seattle's not a good search team. One of the worst search teams probably in the league. Um, I don't know exactly off the top of my head with Boston and to lose to Atlanta and search is not like the end of the world because phase is a very good search team. Uh, but regardless, it, it's a big win for them to beat Florida and they have uh, coincidentally their, their only match next week is against one of the better search teams in the league in Vegas. So it's kind of like they're going to have to really overcome those barriers uh, to, to win that series. Um, and we have the last few matches or the last uh, match of the the weekend was LAT versus Optic HBR Classic and a really important match, at least for seeding and just for, for momentum in general. Both of these teams entered the, the match with an undefeated record in the qualifiers. Optic was 2-0, LAT was 3-0, um, a win here pretty much. Not, they couldn't guarantee them, but it would really help their their case to be the number one seed. Um, and uh, Optic ended up winning this series um, and kind of cemented themselves as possibly the best team 
at the current moment in the game. I, I saw a lot of people taking victory laps. The green wall was having a, a grand old time this weekend after beating LAT and New York. Um, do you feel that way? Do you feel that optic is, you know, the best team in the game now? Because uh, I mentioned earlier uh, before the show, actually that uh, I've tweeted like a month and a half ago when nameless said on the broadcast, like, uh, or, and I think he even tweeted it was like ghosty shouldn't um, shouldn't have been picked up. You know, he's a bad pickup for optic. They really made a mistake with that. And I tweeted something like, uh, I feel like this is premature, uh, but I'm here for the drama because people were going off on Twitter and I've gotten like 20 extra likes on that tweet. I've gotten a few replies to a month and a half old tweet about just saying it was premature and somebody even tweeted me was like, uh, how does it feel to be so right about something? And it's like, like the green wall was having like a full on parade this weekend. So do you think optic is like the team to be, or like the top team now that they beat in LAT and New York in the qualifiers? I'm, I'm not ready to say they are the definitive number one team. Um, but I'm not really in a position to say any other team in particular is, is like a definitive number one because we're in a weird spot right now, right? Like uh, Toronto just won the most recent major. They're struggling in these online matches. Even Atlanta, you look at them, um, they're struggling in a little bit in uh, hard point in particular in the respawns. Uh, and even a team like New York winning that first major, they, they've been up and down since then as well. So um, I think it's really tough to just pick one team and say they are the definitive number one team in the league right now. But like I said, with Optic's earlier win against New York this week and combining that with this win over LAT, I am very impressed with this Optic squad. I think it really opened my eyes to the potential of this team. Um I think we very easily could be talking about them potentially being the major four champions in two weeks' time. Wouldn't surprise me at all, just based on the way they played in this week in particular. But um, I, I think you made a good point about, you know, like Optic fans going on their victory parade or whatever. I think they got to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Um, wait till we get back to land and see what the squad's able to do. But they definitely, you know... That based on these recent performances, this Optic squad has set the green wall up to have those lofty expectations that the green wall is known to have about the team regularly. So um, I am excited to see what this Optic squad is capable of. Um, and, you know, I, I think it is definitely very feasible that they could be the number one team in the game if, you know, they continue this form and uh, they win next week heading into the major. If they take the major, then yeah, I would be ready to say they're the number one team in the game um, at that point. But just right now, I th there's a lot of uncertainty, even with this strong performance um, out of optic. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I think they are doing everything they could possibly be doing to put themselves in that conversation. And that's all you can really ask for really. Yeah. I, I, I think the hesitation, the reluctance to kind of crown them as like the team to beat is probably wise just because um, if you look at the team at, since Ghosty came into the lineup, they are incredible in hard point. They're 19 and six in 25 matches uh, yeah. since Ghosty came into the lineup, but they're like pretty average in search and control, which it, it's, it's very uh, plausible that they can win series like that because we've seen it with phase where they are an incredible search team but they are not 
um, really even above average in the respawns. Um, and I, I don't know what off the top of my head uh, what New York is like in search, but LAT is not a particularly strong search team, uh, but they're a very strong respawn team. Like that's been their bread and butter this season um, in the matches that they win is typically, you know, kind of like a, a one, three, four kind of team. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see how optic does. Uh, I think that if they, you know, like it, it, it might be accurate to say they are the team to beat now because momentum has been pretty, uh, pretty wild this year. Like teams that go on runs are, you know, kind of able to stay on those runs and they've been on a run for whatever, like a month now. Like they've been really, really good. They got second at the major. They're undefeated so far in the qualifiers. Uh, it's it's just going to be difficult, I think, in some of those bigger matches if they're not able to kind of overcome some of those search and destroy and control stuff. Like being 500 in those game modes um, definitely is you're able to beat the teams that are kind of lackluster in in those game modes, but. It's, it's possible that they could lose like a game five to phase, for example, because phase is a good search team. And when it comes down to game five, it, it's like, you know, it phase has the advantage there. Uh, but optic has been really good. And I don't, I, I thought it was funny the, the victory lap, but if they go on and optic does and they, they win major four, like that victory lap just turns into like a whole championship parade and people are going to be losing their minds. And rightfully so, because this is the perfect time to kind of like up your game. We're, we're really very close to the end of the season, even though we're only in April, which it feels very weird to say that, but, um, you know, we're like almost 80% through the season. It's 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 a big time to start getting hot, kind of like the Thieves did last year. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what to Optic can, if they can continue this uh, run of form. Um, the Pick'em Records. Uh, so you had a really good week. You went 8-2. and two. Uh, Vegas really portrayed you, um, and you picked New York over Optic. You don't believe in the Green Wall, which is is crazy. Uh, but then I picked Optic over LAT, so I don't know what I was thinking there. But you just really hate Nade Shot, I think. Um, <laughs> so you're 76 and 64 on the season. I went six and four this week. Uh, I got the. I didn't pick Optic either against LAT. Or we kind of switched on our Optic picks this week. Um, and Toronto let me down. Vegas let me down as usual. And Minnesota, which has been a theme this year, they've let me down because. I've pretty much picked them a lot early on and they lost a lot. And now that I'm starting to pick them again, they're not doing too hot. Um, so I'm 72 and 68, four games back, but we're still both over 500. We're, we're cruising so far uh, as we head toward uh, the major four week three qualifiers, the final week of qualifying matches before the uh, unfortunately no crowd major four uh, taking place in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Um, so let's get into these qualifiers, give our predictions, and get on out of here. Friday, April 14th, Toronto versus Vegas. Um, ooh, I, I, I mentioned it uh, about like how Toronto's had their S&D struggles, but I think the Ultra probably come out on top just because they're a better respawn team and they might not have to even go to Game 5 against Vegas. Vegas 3-2. I am all on board the Standy Revenge game hype here. Um, they're going to oh, win point. game five, round 11. 
and Standy's going to get up and give the double bird to the camera, and then the post-game interview, he's going to tell uh, Standy to kick rocks, or he's going to tell Scrappy to kick rocks. He might shoot his body, which is something yeah. always to look forward oh, yeah. to. Uh, LAG versus Optic, going to go with Optic. You know, There's no yeah. doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta versus Minnesota, going to go with FaZe as well. Yep. Saturday, April 15th, London versus New York, going to go with the subliners. And why? Florida versus Vegas could be a very interesting match considering we talked about it. Vegas, I don't think, has beaten Florida this season. And if they lose to Toronto, they could be kind of on the edge of the loser's bracket. Um, I'll go with Vegas, but I am not feeling comfortable with, especially after that London loss. Yeah, I'm going with Vegas, which means I'm going with Vegas 2-0 again, which means that they definitely aren't going to go 2-0, but we're sending it anyway. Vegas is winning champs. Uh, Boston Breach versus Optic. Going to go with Optic. Yep. And Atlanta versus Seattle. Uh, I mean, I I got to go with FaZe. I don't... Yeah. I, I'm a little conflicted just because Seattle, I think, went 2-0 and or maybe 1-0 uh, this past week. I, I'm pretty sure they didn't lose their match. Um, I believe they it was... Florida. Yeah, so that yeah, they went one and zero. So they might be on a win streak. You never know, and uh, I could be getting this all wrong. But I'll go with Atlanta here. Yeah, I'm going with Atlanta too. But it definitely is worth mentioning. We saw at Major Three um, that Game Five, Round Eleven, Embassy Search and Destroy, where you know Seattle arguably could have won it. Two v three, Simp gets the Deddy, uh, the Shotgun Vaznev, as people are coining it. He gets just like an insta two bullet kill on Pred to turn a two v three into two v one, and Atlanta was able to win it. So that was a super close series on land last time we saw it between these two teams. Uh, so expecting it to be another good one here, but I'm going to go with Face. They're actually on a two win win uh two win streak and I'm very I'm gonna regret that pick. Uh Seattle over uh Seattle versus LAG, I'll pick Seattle on that. Yeah. Uh Minnesota versus LAT, gonna go with the Thieves. I mean, it, it's sad Minnesota might end up losing uh three straight maps or three straight matches after a two and start, but I they've had a pretty tough schedule to be honest. That's exactly what I was trying to say earlier. Uh, I'm going with the Thieves here too, um, but especially after that 2-0 start for Minnesota, they they played New York, and now this week they have to play Atlanta and the Thieves. So just a really tough schedule. If they're able to win one of these matches, and I would assume 3-2 and two gets them into winner's bracket, um, that would be a massive accomplishment in my eyes for the squad, and I would really, you know, well, I, I really don't have any serious thoughts about the Minnesota roster since the change. Um, but I, if they're able to take a match against either Atlanta or the Thieves, I, I just think that's a really good sign of the potential uh, for this team, although it would just be one match, um, an online match at that too. Um, it would be, you know, they, they definitely have to know that, like, the pressure is on them at this point. And so that would, that would mean, you know, it, it would... It would definitely be something that's, you know, I'm not going to say like eye-opening or, you know, Vegas or, sorry, Minnesota is winning champs. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going with the Thieves, but if Minnesota is able to steal one of these uh, wins, I would be moderately impressed. I, ju- I just think, like, uh, it's kind of hard to even judge what Minnesota's working yeah. with at the moment because they're, they played two of the bottom four teams to start and they finish with three of the top five teams. Like, that's such a disparity. Like, maybe if they were playing, like, Vegas or Seattle or maybe, 
even like Boston, I'd be like, okay, like I get to see exactly how much uh, I I put into this. But I mean, it's it's a really tough schedule. It just kind of how it works out. Um, that's kind of what you know the the scheduling in the CDL. You don't get like an even schedule every time, like. Uh, especially with how strong some of these teams turn out to be later in the season versus earlier in the season. Um, it's just, it's a tough thing to to go through for Minnesota, but um, yeah, I'll go with LAT as well. Uh, and ending with New York versus Boston Yankees versus Red Sox, the two scrubs of the AL East to get a Tampa Bay team in here. They'll wipe the floor with everybody, even though Bink just got super triggered that I said it um, New York versus Boston. I mean, I, I'm very interested in this just because I kind of want to see where the breach are with Crimp. Um, it, it, obviously, if they beat Optic, then that's huge. Like that—that's a huge surprise. They're going to be able to—they um, might be a contender as we get to Major Four. Same with this one. If they're able to win one of these two matches against Optic or New York, uh, that'd be huge. But I'm going to go with New York. Uh, it's almost like you read my mind a little bit. Uh, I remember in particular, I don't remember when the match was. Might have been the the stage two qualifiers, but that wouldn't have really made sense because that's New York coming off of um, their major one win. I can't remember when it was, but I remember earlier this year there was an opti- or sorry, a, a New York versus Boston matchup, and I picked Boston, um, and I'm pretty sure New York won. I don't even remember who won it or, or what happened, but... I was in my head here. I was thinking it's baseball season. I cannot pick a Boston team to beat New York. And like you mentioned, new roster for Boston. So yes, I'm going with the subliners here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's again, Boston's kind of getting screwed. They play two of the better teams in the, this week. Yeah. Um, it could turn out to be uh, pretty tough on them. We don't know how the tiebreakers are wor- uh, will work because the teams through three from eight, uh, three to eight, they are all tied right now. Each of those two, uh, each of those teams have two matches to play. Um, like it, it's, and it's re- what you not only not only are they they're they're multiple two and one teams. New York, Boston, Seattle, and Vegas are all two and one. They're also all seven and six in map count. Yeah. So not only do they have the same series record, they have the same map count. And obviously, knowing how the tie break, I don't think if it's like a massive tie in series count, I don't think it goes to head-to-head first. I think if it's like a two-way tie, it goes to head-to-head. Um, but I'm pretty sure map count is the tiebreaker after that. So obviously, especially considering uh, New York and Boston are 5-6 right now at 7-6 and six each. This is a huge match. If if one team is able to 3-0 the other, just for example, like that's a massive swing in the tiebreaker department as well. Yeah, and I think we should just stress like how big it is to just have that buffer from winner's bracket to loser's bracket because oh, yeah. um, like I don't know what the exact record is, but it feels like almost every one of those teams that starts in loser's bracket gets beat in that first match. Um, I, I know there's been like a few kind of uh, outliers, but mostly like those teams don't get any points at the major, which is the biggest way to get points in the CDL. Like getting like a, a top four finish is huge for your overall uh, point differential. And all of these teams, like I know we've talked about Vegas quite a bit, but like even a team like Seattle is not safe, like with. Uh, kind of how up and down they've been. And that's surprising considering they got a second place finish back at major one. Um, 
They're like there aren't a lot of teams that are like quote unquote safe, especially since Vegas has been kind of improving of late and they're not that far behind Minnesota. They're actually only twenty points behind, so I mean that that further goes to show too, um the importance of major placings. If you look deeper at Minnesota and Vegas, they're Minnesota, as you said, 130 points in eighth place, Vegas 110 points uh, in ninth place. They had the same exact record, 12 and 15, 12 and 15. Um, but Minnesota obviously had that third place finish at major two. And just that one placing, even though they have the same exact record as uh, Legion, that, that one placing is what is you know, in my head at least, has to be the difference between uh, 130 and 120 or 111 yeah. points. So um, that just goes to further illustrate your point that, you know, the major placements, everything, and if you're starting in loser's bracket, uh, you're just on the back foot immediately and digging yourself a hole or whatever, you know, saying you want to use, it's it's not a good place to be. Yeah, so um, we have a really, really exciting week. Um Obviously, the most consequential week of matches uh, to come before Major Four, uh, which is coming up in two weeks. Um, trying to get the exact date just so I can give it uh, April 20th to April 23rd. And like I said, uh, no fans, but still, uh, it's you know just as important for seating and all of the. Obviously, there's prize money involved. Uh, and a lot of different like uh, factors, is, including momentum, uh, can play into it because it's the second to last major of the season, uh, a huge opportunity for teams to kind of get it right before they get into the last fifth of the season and uh, kind of tr- try to lock down a CDL champ spot, which is really what everybody's been working toward all all season long. Um, so uh, going to be a, a big week of matches and. Uh, like we mentioned, you can watch it on YouTube and Twitch now. Um, but if you're on watching on Twitch, go to twitch.tv slash podcast. Follow the, the channel. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, go to the Ego Child Podcast YouTube. Subscribe, like the video, maybe leave a comment, say how cute Preston is and how smart he is. Uh, that would really help me and help the channel. Um, also, if you're listening or watching uh, on any other platform, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, Google Podcast, um, all the other podcasting platforms. Make sure to give us a, a five-star rating on Apple. Make sure to follow, uh, like, subscribe to the feeds. Um, you also follow us on Twitter. He's at jbink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Buyers. And the podcast Twitter is at EgoChopPodcast. Uh, next show will be uh, probably earlier next week. Um, I kind of like the Monday live show, uh, and then we can upload it on Tuesday. Give people a little more time to uh, digest like the preview, especially for next week is we'll be covering the week three qualifier matches. And then we're going to preview the fourth major. Uh, We typically do like our predictions for who wins the dark horse, kind of that kind of stuff. And especially since the seating will all bear itself out as we get into the next show that it's going to be a, a probably a, a pretty big episode just to talk about in general um but yeah that that does it for me bing take it away yep you you hit all the nails on the head thank you guys as always for tuning in looking forward to uh this upcoming week of matches and you know looking forward to uh recapping them for you and then talking about as much as we can fit into the following show to preview major four and get you know the stage set for uh you know the second to last major of the regular season we got 
this one, one more after that, and then the big one in Champs. So um, we still don't officially know where Champs is either. So looking forward to that too, but unrelated. Uh, we can talk about that another time. Thank you guys, as always, and remember to send the chow.